0: Next up on Visual Wow.
1: I really tell people we can accomplish a lot. You can really, it's different, but no less than an in-person event. It's just how we present it and be kind and be professional and you'll get the best results.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Visual Wow. The podcast for people passionate about live events. We're obsessed with creating and capturing those wow moments. This is the place the top pros come to share their secrets. Now, here's your host, Jack Hartzman. Welcome back, Visual Community. I am Jack Hartzman, your host, and something a little bit different today, the very first rabbi on the program, and I am very happy to present to you Rabbi Deborah Reichman. She is an interfaith bilingual all-around pretty amazing woman of the cloth, as we could call her, and an event professional, which is the whole reason she's on the show with us. I met her uh, about a month and a half ago at a wedding at the Park Hyatt in Washington, D.C. Rabbi, welcome to the show. It's
1: so lovely to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: I have enjoyed our little um, pre conversation that we have to, uh, like on a scale of 10, like a 25 on a scale of 10, um, to find out, uh, where our worlds have crossed to find out that we only live about a mile away from each other. And, um, combine that with the things that I have read about you and your just general spirit and energy that I got to meet last month. Um, it's really exciting to have you on the show and I hope our listeners get as much out of this as I already have. So thanks for being a part of it and making the time for me.
1: It is my pleasure. I enjoyed speaking with you to no end. As we said before, we could probably do this for hours. And I'm very excited to be able to share the clergy point of view with you and your listeners.
0: So... You know, um, for those of you who have been listening on the regular to the visual podcast, many of you have heard about the fact that um, Monica and I were part of a virtual wedding at the Park Hyatt, Washington, D.C. last month, um, August 22nd. And Stephanie and Alex, if you're listening to the podcast like you promised me that you are going to be, um, this is me interviewing your rabbi uh, for the podcast. And, um, I have mentioned, um, Rabbi, the wedding that we did together last month. Um, I I gotta say probably 15 or 20 times in recent weeks because it was so unique how Stephanie made a decision, um, to not have anyone at the wedding since Alex's parents weren't able to be there. Um, and, and, I tell people we did this full blown wedding at the park high at Washington DC with just a bride and a groom and a rabbi. And you were that said rabbi. Um, the, sorry,
1: The, the
0: part that just, the part that just really got to me is that, 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 um, you weren't just there as, as the the rabbinical side of the Judaic side of the ceremony, but that you are bilingual as well. And the groom was from the Dominican Republic and you did kind of two weddings at the same time doing everything in both English and in Spanish. And maybe you can tell me how you got involved with the wedding. And I promise I won't cut you off ever again.
1: I think I cut you off. So don't worry about that. Um, how How did Stephanie find me? That's a really good question. I have an online presence. Um, which is where I've actually always been since I became a rabbi. And I could look at my notes, but um, they found me. Wait a
0: minute. Why don't we just stop right there for a second and tell everybody what your online presence is.
1: Oh, so uh, so my website is RabbiDeb.com. And I have a Facebook page uh, that's related. It's also Rabbi Deb. So I've been on that, I think, online for seven or eight years now. You'd think I'd remember, but I don't. And I it's also, okay. I have a congregation, but I've been, as a wedding rabbi or an event rabbi, that's been my main thing for all these years.
0: So in in her finding you, did she find you because you were an interfaith rabbi, or did she find you or know that you were bilingual at the time she started talking to you?
1: She did not know I was bilingual. She found me because I'm an interfaith rabbi, which is to say I'll marry interfaith couples and do interfaith life cycle events. Um, and then in our first conversation, she, uh, we were talking and he said, I've got people coming from Dominican Republic. And I said, would you like me to do some of it in Spanish? And Alex was like, you can do that. And I said, yes, I've done that before. It'd be my pleasure. Part of what I do at all my weddings is make it as inclusive as possible. I want everybody, all the guests and family and friends to feel like they're a part of the ceremony, even if it's a different religion that they know what What's going on, and they don't feel that they've been in any way excluded. So, when I can help with the with the language, I most certainly do.
0: Well from where I was standing um and I kind of wore a lot of hats at that particular wedding because I was providing the virtual services for the wedding as well as in charge of the photography and the video and quite frankly we we actually played their first dance music too since it was just the three of you and then my team of four uh seven of us for for one wedding which was or or five of us for three of you it was quite quite a remarkable quite a remarkable day but um as you know, and uh, most of our listening audience knows, my wife is Peruvian and we were um, supplying virtual MCs for the Dominican family as well. So we had my wife entertaining guests, uh, the virtual guests in Spanish. And then we had another, uh, our, our good friend MC Purnell from Washington Talent was our English MC. So we were doing the bilingual thing also. And um, I, I have been through literally almost 2000 weddings in my career and uh though i am of cuban heritage my spanish is a little bit on the broken side but i've been to so many ceremonies listening to you pull people together i I say that kind of mystically and virtually that you did a ceremony like i've heard you know thousands of times in english and then after you were done doing the english part you brought it together with the spanish part and i just i i so related to the to the the way the words come out, maybe you could explain a little bit to, to our listening audience the way uh, or the difference between English and Spanish as maybe it pertains to Hebrew or just the ceremonial side of Judaism uh, when you're doing the same prayers in Spanish.
1: Sure. Um, what I do, what I did in Spanish is really just a kind of a subset of what I'll do in English. I'm glad you mentioned Hebrew, which so Hebrew, not everyone and not every Jewish wedding, but it's expected that there should be some. The thing is, most people, unless they are particularly religious or went to Jewish day school or Israeli, they might recognize the Hebrew, but they really don't know actually what it means. So in the English, what I do for all weddings is exp- I, n- I never leave Hebrew untranslated. I think it's just the most uh, disconfitting thing. People will be on the other side going, what she just say? So I'll say something in Hebrew, I'll translate it into English, and I will also describe the ritual elements that they're, that they're seeing, whether it's a chuppah or a uh, kiddush cup of wine, and I'll say, this is why it's here. Again, it's part of that inclusive inclusivity I want everyone to understand. So when I do that in Spanish, I just take it one step further. I've, um, I don't do it off the cuff. I wrote the, the script, as it were, and I had a, um, someone who's a better Spanish speaker than me check it out, but it's the same thing of explaining a little bit of what the prayer is going to be and then saying it in Spanish, which is such a melodic. It really is a beautiful language to pray in. Uh, so it comes out very, I think it's very pretty. Um, and uh, But I'm doing the same thing really in both languages, which is orienting everyone to what's going on so that they can fully engage and enjoy the ceremony.
0: Well, I think for our Jewish audience that are listening to us, um, hearing about prayer in Spanish could probably take them for a whirl or two. I, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I had the unique opportunity to be in Peru uh, with my wife's family last year um, over the high holidays, and I actually went to um, Yom Kippur services, to the Kol Nidre services um, at a Chabad in Lima. And, uh, I figured, you know, I'm in my fifties, I've done this a few times. What's the difference if I'm at a, uh, Spanish speaking synagogue or not. And, and it was quite the experience listening to the rabbi speak only in Spanish, uh, even though I had a mock that was in Hebrew and English, which that was a whole nother challenge. But, um, but I really did find that, um, even with my broken Spanish, listening to the rabbi speak in Spanish through the, the rituals and the and the Judaic of, of Yom Kippur, it, it just sounded it just sounded better. It, it really just had something very magical about it. And uh, and and as it pertains to what we did together last month, I I just watched you grab a hold of. I saw the smile on the groom's face. Here's a Catholic raised guy marrying uh, a Jewish woman. Um, We had people dialing in from the Dominican Republic, I think 25 people from the Dominican Republic were on the Zoom session with us uh, at the Washington DC Park Hyatt. And the glow in his face when you spoke in Spanish... It was so inclusive to him. It just showed up. I'm a photographer. I noticed these things. He, he just, he just lit up like a, (laughs) like a Christmas tree. He just really was glowing every time you spoke in Spanish. Uh, He speaks perfect English, but I think he just felt so much more attuned to the whole Jewish part of it because it was being done in Spanish in addition to the Hebrew. So I really commend you for that.
1: Thank you. It's um, what I do again with, with, most of my weddings, part of what I realize is that the bride and groom are a couple, of course, but they represent their families and their friends. And if they're coming together and joining, then those communities are also coming. And if I can help bridge that gap, so if I can make it easier for grandmother to, to understand and say, because he's marrying someone who doesn't speak her language, say, and he's marrying someone who a different religion— and then to have the clergy stand there and say, I acknowledge you in your where you are, and I'm bringing you in, I'm opening this door for you so that you can join us, um, it sm- not only smooths the path, but it makes the whole ceremony and everything that comes after, which wasn't much on the case of a, of a Zoom wedding, but if, if, if we'd been able to have dancing and, and dinner, they're, they're warmed up to the whole event and the whole process.
0: Well again I I think from the inclusion standpoint what I saw in the groom's face and moreover what we watched later in the Zoom video that the Latinos that were that were signed on to the session they were they were you made them part of the event and I don't remember if you were there at the end when the bride and groom sat down in front of the big screen that we brought and they had an hour of time almost talking one-on-one with the guests that were left on the Zoom session. They had about 75 people log on, and they had about 50 left when they, when we were basically done broadcasting. And they literally grabbed two chairs and sat for almost an hour talking to their guests, and half of them were from the DR. And and I, I can tell you that that the the way you pulled it together with the Spanish was just perfect. Um, and I, I hope that the listening audience thinks about the fact that when you have uh, a life cycle event, uh, whatever it might be—wedding, bar, bat mitzvah—we um, have here in our community um, an incredible event professional in in Rabbi Deb and and n- not just in the fact that she'll do the interfaith part of the wedding, but the fact that she has the ability to speak fluent Spanish and really bring the communities together uh in a time when so much is pulling us apart which is kind of where we parlay and i ask you kind of two other questions and that is um how has uh our current world scenario the new world that we're all living in how did that affect you as a rabbi when things were being canceled left and right in march and what's happened to your schedule you know for these last six or seven months and and what is what's happening to you in that in that role when someone's canceling rescheduling or, or doing how, how are you handling that in your profession
1: well like many people it's uh it's an adjustment i am comfortable in the virtual world there's nothing virtual about this it's just online and i'm not an arm's length away i'm a couple miles away but um i've done for years since i've become a rabbi i've been meeting with couples online um virtually to avoid traffic and other reasons why you wouldn't want to drive in the DC area and save some time. So to some extent, uh, and most of my bar mitzvah tutoring has always been online as well. So that was able to continue. The reschedulings are, um, just a fact of life right now. I work with my clients and I say, um, it's weird that I call them clients cause they're my couples. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I tell them, I, when they say we're going to move the wedding, we're going to, um, very few people have canceled. They're, talking postponements. And I, they're like, do you have a, are you going to charge us for it or anything from where I'm sitting? I both have the luxury of not needing to, and the um, pastoral sense that that would just make their difficult life worse. So I say, no, I'm going to work with you. The only obstacle that comes up that could come up, it hasn't yet, fingers crossed, is that An existing couple wants to move it to a date that has already been taken in the future by somebody else who has already contacted me separately. And then I have a conflict and someone, you know, I have to talk to them and say, no, that's not going to work for me. I can help you find someone else. Um, But like I said, that hasn't happened yet. My 2021 is getting booked. We'll see if that stays the way it is or if those also get postponed and moved and i've done a few zoom weddings and uh, bar mitzvahs which is what i do there is i really tell people you can accomplish a lot you can really it's different but no less than an in person event it's just how we present it and it's more work it, for a bar mitzvah kid it's actually harder because they don't have the the cues from their audience from and or from the from the clergy from the synagogue sure
0: from participation and re- re- read a response and things like that that makes and that makes a lot of new, sense they're
1: new at giving speeches and you know to to read off into a camera is not quite the same as reading off into a microphone but they're doing great and um, one thing and there was star there positive their silver linings here my kids haven't seen this much of me in the summer um, in years, <laughs> like, wait, it's, it's Saturday night. Mom's home. What's, how weird is that? Um, so that's been, that was, that was a positive to be able to spend my Saturdays in summer. Of course I couldn't go out, uh, but at home, it was nice. Um, Very
0: nice. I, I totally, I think everybody is, a. I think everybody is, uh, you know, we've all found a little bit of, especially for event professionals, uh that that family time isn't such a bad thing after all and uh it's kind of unique that we we have had this much time to be a, together with our families but uh yeah my dogs uh my dogs are wondering why I'm home so much right now they'd like to see me uh, going out and working again on saturday nights you know I wanted to uh I wanted to I know so many of my clients who come on the visual Al podcast I don't have to do a lot of research on them because I've known them so long. I've known you for exactly six weeks. Um, And so I did a little bit more homework about you. And one of the things that I, uh, okay, I'm sounding like uh, I don't mean to flirt with you like this. I was very enamored with you when I met you. Um, I I love the way you walked into the park, Hyatt, and we had so much chaos going on. For this wedding of three people, bridegroom and rabbi, and you came in like like an event professional, and you beelined to your world. You asked me for input. Where's the microphone? Am I going to have a wireless? And you went right to it, and it was like the absolute consummate professional. It was such a pleasure to work with you, and in my research. I find out that you went to law school. You were a lawyer. How did you, how in the world did you get from being a lawyer to being a rabbi? What is that transition all about?
1: Thank you so much for um, noticing my professionalism. That was lovely. Uh, how did I become a, go from being a lawyer to a rabbi? It's actually the lawyering thing that was the detour. When I went, I went to um, a Jewish day school and we studied a class called rabbinics since I was a teenager and I loved it. Cause I could argue with my teachers a lot uh, because that's really how it's all set up. And they would set up a hypothetical in a Jewish case of Jewish law. And then I would be like picking at it. Well, okay, But what if X, Y, and Z were a little bit different and does it matter? And they, they were fine with it. That's the way the Jewish laws evolved over 2000 years. And um, so I went to college not really knowing what I was going to do. And I said, well, I kind of like this legalistic, argumentative um, way of thinking, maybe law school will work. And it's not the same, not by a long shot. And uh, I also had a deep interest in health. So I have a master of public health. I did spend 10 years in health policy, um, doing various things here in the DC area, and it never, never clicked. And eventually, with the support of my family, uh, they said, go ahead and Take a break from that. It's just not working for you. And I ended up um, running into my college rabbi, Rabbi Harold White, of um, blessed memory. He worked at Georgetown University as uh, he'd been the chaplain, the Jewish chaplain there since 1969. And he said, "Come work for me." I'm like, you don't need so word. let's
0: pause. Let's just pause for one second. And I was hoping that you were going to say it, but I have very quickly learned how absolutely professional and how humble you are. You didn't just go to any school for law. You didn't just get your master's in public health just about anywhere. You did it at Georgetown, which is not exactly what some would say is a schlumpy little school down at the bottom of the Potomac River. Um, that's a pretty prestigious school. And not to add one more thing about you and I and where our lives have crossed, but um uh, Rabbi White of blessed memory was a dear family friend I've known him since I was about 10 years old and um the stories we could talk about about Harold White go on forever and ever and ever and then ever so uh thank you for warming my heart to hear his name and yes he can be very influential in somebody's life and so apparently that's where you took the turn for for uh turning to uh, becoming a rabbi
1: yes he um he saw something in me that I had forgotten or wasn't looking for and he convinced me to come work for him and in a interfaith campus ministry environment in the main campus of Georgetown within almost hours of being there I was I realized this is where I needed to be I needed to be around other spiritual people of different religions uh, as much as I love Judaism and that's great but I got so much energy and learning from my colleagues. And then um, my husband laughs because I, I came back from my first staff meeting and, and he's like, You're smiling. I was like, Oh, we had a staff meeting today. And I was like, and he said, Why are you so happy about that? Staff meetings are generally not people's most favorite things. And I said, It was great. We sat, we came in, we meditated, we prayed, we talked business, we prayed, and we meditated. And that was the meeting. And he said, That sounds awful. And I said, No, 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 no. It was great. So obviously, different strokes for different folks, but um, it was for me, clearly the place I needed to be. And it was there, working with Harold, with with Rabbi White, that um, I jumped into this interfaith world with so much appreciation for the work that goes on in it, for the different religions. Um, I'm never going to tell anyone to pick one over another. That's part of what I do interfaith. It's really holding both religions or sometimes there's actually even more because family dynamics are interesting, uh, holding them all in equal space with equal respect and trying to convey that to everyone who I get to interact with.
0: Well, again, just, uh, talking about Rabbi White, um, I'm I'm just flashing back to my late teens and twenties and how often he was at my home for Shabbat dinner and his spirit and his charm. I I certainly understand the influence he can have and I get the spirituality. It's what I met in you a month and a half ago. We're living in such crazy times, and you meet uh, you know, as an event photographer, you you meet whoever the other people are that show up at the event. And, and some people just give off good energy and then others just don't. Uh, It's kind of black and white for me. And uh, you give off really good energy. And it was very apparent to everybody. The whole team saw it. Um, Stephanie and Alex just saying your praises. And, um, and that was before you ever said Baruch one. So, so it was really very special and, and to hear, to learn, uh, how, how you went to the day school and and going into law. Uh, I'll leave out the part where my wife's uh, father was a huge part of the World Health Organization and dedicated his entire life to public health. Yet one more thing we can talk about and the Pan-American Health Organization that he was one of the senior people in. Um, since I know that you have a Chilean background, I believe you were born in Chile, is that correct?
1: That is correct. We might have even more connections I didn't know that part um, but um, my mother's a physician with public health background and doing a lot of international health work for many, many years here in the DC area so probably have connections on that side as well.
0: It's well my, world. my father-in-law of blessed memory uh, passed a few years ago and um, he was the proud minister of health in Peru in the mid and late 90s and for a man in a Catholic country, uh, when there was a cholera uh, and an AIDS epidemic going on in Peru, and he was out telling people don't eat ceviche and, and giving out condoms to people to protect from AIDS, didn't go over real big in a Catholic country. So, uh, But a rebel with a cause and someone who fought for public health um, his entire life, uh, we, we've been talking much over uh, these last six months that um, – He's somewhere between fighting to get out of the ground and turning in his grave at what's going on in the world right now with this pandemic uh, as a man who uh, truly dedicated his whole life to um, to public health yeah. So that all said we made a parlay from law to public health into being a rabbi and then the big reason I brought you on the show is because, I think my peers, if I'm being presumptuous to all of those who I might be offending right now, I think my event professional friends, whether you're a caterer, a lighting technician, a photographer, a video guy, a a band, or a DJ, I think we forget sometimes that our clergy are just as much a part of our community as anybody else is. And Rabbi, if there's anything you can say to the event planners, the party planners, the, the people that you work with. Uh, even if it's just a guy who is providing the microphone for you when you're going to do your thing, how about a message for any of our people of how we can do a better job uh, in helping you as the person running the whole ceremony and, or any other part of the party when we ever get back to parties again, what can we do better to learn more about what a rabbi sees um, as an event professional?
1: It's funny you should say that. Um, and I will, I often, I walk into a wedding with two paths in my head. One is I'm clergy, I'm doing a religious ceremony and and it is the reason everybody is gathered, Is that is why I'm there. I'm, I'm the cause of that. But at the same time, I recognize that for all the reason of the wedding, it's going to take say 20 minutes to half an hour. It's a Jewish wedding so it's not very long. And then people are going to spend hours doing something else. So while I am important, I am not the, the the main thing in terms of what everyone else is working and that's the whole thing is you're all working to make this day so special for all these people so i have i'm in community with the other event staff we are all in this together so i come in and i i'll talk to a photographer almost always at first and say we you know for the for the Katuba signing you set it up you know what's the best shot they're going to remember this through pictures and video, and so I don't have I don't have much stake in the game as to where we put the katuba and sign it. You pick, and we'll work from there. So um, to make it all really as seamless as possible, so that the end result is beautiful, that's from my side. And I've learned over the years to find clothing with pockets, which for women is really difficult because for mics. Um, you know, there's, I'd prefer not to put tape on my clothing. So we have to put, uh, the, the microphone box in, in my pocket and then the mic and, um, things like that. I've learned to adapt, but at the same time, um, the event staff that works best with me are those who recognize that I am part of their team. And so, uh, to one, not assume, I guess at some point in my life, I was my first rodeo, at this point, it's not. So if I come in a little bit bossy, which it's funny. You say professional, I always say I'm bossy because I'll walk in and I'll see the setup under the chuppah. I'm like, no, you got to move that table back. Uh, it's We don't fit otherwise or you know, fill the gla-
0: the cup with wine. But, I, but strong personality people like you and I, I revel in that. You came in, you beelined right to the chuppah, you looked around, you asked direct questions, I gave you direct answers, And we were off to the races. You didn't come in, you know, what's going to happen? Where's it going to be? You know, I'm I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but oh my goodness, we had so much going on that day and you were just on point. So to all those people who may not have the strong personality or a strong enough backbone, revel in the fact that when Rabbi Deb walks into an event, she knows what she wants and she's going to help you get to the finish line to make it right for the family that she's working for.
1: Right. It's a it is a team effort. And um, having people I don't mind when anyone sort of assumes I know nothing because they're just helping me work it out. And I can often say, OK, I've got this part. Let's you know, we can move on. Um, but uh, that attitude of playing well with others, the I think if, if you know, you and your colleagues and, and you did this beautifully, I came in and you I was part of your team as much as part of their team. You you kept saying that there's four of you and three of us. And in my mind, it was me and then two and then four, you know, it's, uh, but we all come together to make this whole thing happen. And, um, I respect other people's professionalism. And sometimes there's a, a pull, like somebody wants to know from me, um, Oh, come over here and talk to the mother of the bride. And I said, I'm not ready to do that. I need to make sure that you know, the mic is ready and, and the chuppah is ready and that everything's set up before I go, because I want to be able to focus when I'm talking to family and friends. Um, but by the same token, as much as I do want to talk with the professionals and work with them, I also have to say, you know, put the brakes on and say, I, I can come back and talk to you later or we can, you know, set up a different time. Sure, I need to go talk to, you know, be the clergy and be the rabbi in, in for people and have them see me as that as well so it's a it's a balancing act and you know you said what advice can i give others just be be kind and be professional and you'll get the best results from other people
0: i i've always believed in communication makes the world go around and uh, i hope i'm not going to open up pandora's box to either you or the listening audience but do you get to events and just wish that somebody had called you and asked your opinion on something, is that something that that you ever go through?
1: Yes, it does happen. Um, and then I bite my tongue and go forward. It's usually, there's no point in when it's too late to, you know, you, you can't put the milk back in the, um, the
0: No, I, I, understand, I understand that. And I, I, I think that the reason I'm asking the question is, I guess it's my way to say to, my friends who are the event producers and the party planners, hey, don't second guess or shortchange your clergy. Maybe we should stop taking for granted. They're just going to show up and do their thing. And it might be worth adding them to the email distribution list or adding, you know, that call list where uh, a quick phone call to your rabbi, to whoever might be officiating your, your wedding Make sure that we have what's ready for them, not just assume, give them a kiddish cup, make sure there's a challah within arm's reach, give them a wireless mic and, and they're off to the races. So I appreciate your honesty on that. And again, to the party planners and the event producers, sorry if I opened up Pandora's box, but I think we should put a little bit more emphasis on people like rabbi deb that they're part of our community and as hard as we're all fighting for the live events coalition and and bringing some kind of normality back to the event world i think that we should remember that our pastors and our rabbis and and you know just clergy all uh, in our community are just as much affected by what we're going through as we are and um you know i i don't want to end on that note because I hope that was taken in a positive way by everybody because again, the whole reason I invited you on the show is because I really recognized when we met just what a true pro you were and the things you and I have talked about. I just really think it gets left out of the events community and maybe we can put a little bit of a spotlight on that. So it doesn't get um, maybe uh, overlooked in the future. Um, Where do you see things going? What's next? What's next for you?
1: Uh, I want to keep doing what I'm actually doing now for as long as possible. I absolutely adore <laughs> life cycle events. Um, okay, I adore all of them, and I highly respect uh, funerals, which are part of it. Um, can't say I adore those, but baby namings, and which I've done uh, joint baby naming baptisms. Those are really cool, and bar mitzvahs and coming-of-age ceremonies, and weddings, of course. So uh, I get having been in a job where I didn't like what I do, I now love my work. And I, so I just want to keep doing it as, as long as possible. Um, now that I know what it's like to enjoy one's livelihood. So more of the same, it's not a very ambitious, I guess, um, really way of looking at it. I, I think I've mentioned, I have, I, I'm the rabbi of an interfaith congregation, the interfaith families project. Uh, they've been in DC and active for 25 years, Rabbi Harold White was there, is a rabbi emeritus. Um, I really have picked up his mantle where I could. And I absolutely adore working with them. It's a beautiful community. So I'm doing what I want.
0: Is that on Georgetown's campus or is it off premise someplace?
1: It's off premise. It's, um, we meet, when we can meet in person, uh, we meet at the gym of the Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School in Rockville, We've been meeting online since March and um, and will be until we can come together as a group again. So we've, even after 25 years, we don't have our own building, but it saves money and allows us to spend our resources elsewhere. The Sunday school... Uh, Attached to the organization is absolutely fantastic.
0: Well, if there's anything the Visual Wild podcast can do to help carry your message or uh, you want to get something out to the community, please feel free to to send me an email and, and we'll get you back on the show to get a message out um rabbi deb i just want to thank you for the for the time today Uh, i have thoroughly enjoyed this interview i hope we get to do it again Uh, i hope that uh we our paths cross uh, maybe just down falls road someplace when we bump into each other um this has been a really cool experience for me i hope you've enjoyed the ride
1: it has been wonderful um this is new for me so I'm super excited, and I hope I did okay. Um,
0: no, you did happy. great. <laughs> and so everybody, RabbiDeb.com, uh, right? RabbiDeb.com, right? RabbiDeb.com. Uh, and Rabbi Deb on Facebook. Do you have an Instagram presence?
1: I I have one. I never uh, – I don't want to send people there because I'm
0: <laughs> – don't tell anybody that. So there's no Instagram presence right now, but it's RabbiDev.com and Rabbi Dev on Facebook, everybody. Uh, she is a super dynamic woman uh, who has a law degree and, and a master's in public health. If you need to have some side conversations, um, a couple of kids that are seeing too much of her and a husband that doesn't know what to do on a Saturday night when he asks to spend time with his wife, let's get her <laughs> back to work. Um, let's keep in mind that uh, if you're between Baltimore and Richmond, uh, and, and or need someone to travel with you, we have a bilingual, interfaith, dynamic rabbi in our community here. Uh, rabbi Deb, thank you again so much for being on the program. And that's it for us, Visual Law Community. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go on to our website. Leave us a note, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We just found out. We are just registered on Amazon. If you have a desire to listen to a podcast, you can find us. We're everywhere. Thanks again for listening. I am Jack Hartsman, your host. We're out. Thanks for listening to Visual Wild. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and tell your friends. Go to visualwild.com for more info. If you didn't like what you heard, just keep it to yourself. Know a pro we should be talking to on the show? Drop us a line. Talk with you next time on Visual Wow.